My name is Dwayne Default, and welcome to Selling SaaS, a podcast that's built to get you the best advice from the top experts for go-to-market strategies, sales, and product-led growth. Now let's get into today's episode. So Dream Data, one cool name, but like what, like where did you start? Like, cause you, you've had, you've worked at like Upwork, worked at a couple other companies and whatnot. So like where, like where did this come from or the idea of like solving the problem for all this attribution and connect, connection for data? Like where, like how did it start? Like walk us through a little bit of your background to help us kind of build up to that story. So I come from a, a B2B marketing background. I've always been working in B2B companies doing marketing, growth, business development stuff. It's always been in companies that has been highly digital or and or completely digital. So like I'm very biased towards like that you should be able to understand and track stuff and look at data and make decisions out of out of that. So if you're from a more big brick and mortar industry, you might think that I'm heavily biased towards that this is possible. <laughs> Anyway, so I've always been doing B2B marketing. The last eight years, something like that, I've been leading marketing teams. And the last, what is it now, three years, I've been co-founder of Dream Data, which, you know, we started out just three people. And now we're like around 40 and uh, yeah, still hiring. <laughs> so people can go to our job board and check it out. That's a lot in a short period of time because you guys have been around for almost four years now, right? Yeah. As we just raised our Series A now, so like we made a plan and hopefully we can execute upon that plan and then go on to raise a nice Series B afterwards. Yeah, I saw the Series A, so congratulations on that one. And it's tough to get to that right now, like because I was kind of recent, like end of last year, right? Yeah, terrible timing for that. But luckily, we found some investors that believed in what we do and believed in us and, and so forth. But yeah, my last job was uh, as a marketing leader for a B2B uh, hardware company where we sold screen sharing devices to schools and businesses and went through this kind of growth journey where less than 20 employees to 100 employees, zero ad spend to $100,000 per month in ad spend. And you find out as you scale that, that, you know, the initial 510k you put in, you kind of have a good feeling about the correlation between Oh, we turned this one off, Switzerland popped off, or UK popped off, or stuff like that. But the last 10, 20K you put in, you're like, I don't know if <laughs> if this makes sense. It's You have that diminishing return that's kind of crazy. Like, like I, back then and now, I really believe you should be doing marketing to, to provide revenue. Like the scorecard for B2B marketing is when the salespeople sell something. And... I was left trying to understand whether the marketing worked with kind of stupid stuff where like I would look at, okay, so we spent $100,000 in March. What revenue did we make in March? Even though I knew that the customer journey would be like six, 12 months long or something like that, that was all I had to do because that was all the tools that were available. And I really, really wanted to make sure that the money I spent was not wasted. I wanted to use the money of the company as good as I can. So tried all sorts of different stuff that didn't really provide any good solutions. But then by by coincidence, I got introduced to my now two co-founders by a local VC in Denmark, who, who said that these two guys were trying to go at this problem of connecting activities to, to pipeline and revenue. 
And I actually have replied to that guy that, yeah, I don't think that they can solve this challenge. I don't think anybody can. But <laughs> yeah, luckily, we gave them access to some data. And then they like built a very rough prototype out of that data in my, my last company. And they could actually start to prove stuff that I had never been able to see, like which blog post contribute to revenue, which of the paid channels, which of the campaigns we've paid for were good, but also the painful part of where have we actually wasted money, we could start to see. So I knew that, like, I knew by heart that this is a super big problem in B2B companies. And, you know, if somebody have a solution to this, like these very long journeys and what happens early on and what becomes revenue and what doesn't become revenue, then there will be a big market to to go and, and address. So yeah, nowadays we like our ideal customers are B2B software companies where we help them understand any activity that leaves behind a digital trace, what revenue does that yield in the end? which helps you in like in simple terms to do more of what, what works and do less of where you find out that this is not a go-to-market strategy that, that, that works for our company. So let's put the resources over to, to something where we can actually prove that it works. Yeah, no, that's great. Like in, in, you mentioned kind of six, 12 month sales cycles. Now is this, are you finding that this type of data and or this type of strategy fits better with more enterprise type sales processes or can smaller SMB type companies use it? Like where do you see the biggest success in terms of business segment? In general, I think B2B companies, SMB or enterprise underestimate the length of the true customer journey. And to put a little bit more meat into that, we uh, I think people normally when they reply, how long is your customer journey? They actually reply, how long time did this account spend in the CRM system? Like they converted to a demo call, downloaded an ebook, now they're in the CRM. Now we measure until it's closed one. What we can see in the, in the data from all our customers is that the length that people spent researching, lurking around anonymously on your website is the same length as the identified time typically. So if your company says it's a three-month journey, then you're probably more likely looking at a six-month journey or even more than that. And that's just to when they become a customer, when they purchase, not including anything afterwards, right? Just when they first recognize pain and they're doing the research and then when they're actually in the sales cycle. So, because yeah, I, I would, I would agree most time when you're asking like, what's your customer journey? What's your life cycle? They only tell you the buyer's journey or the sales cycle. It's like when they get into the funnel and when they become a customer, nothing, nothing before, which I, I find really interesting because that the, the before stuff is where people kind of already make their decision. They're, they're doing their research. And the reason why they're in the funnel in the first place is because they took an action. And so my concern always is what are they seeing that's making them not take an action? And like, so how, like, how, how did you guys, you don't have to get into technical stuff, but like, how did you solve for that? Like, where was there a piece, was there code? Was there a, just a missing link between different systems? Is it all one system? Like, so how'd you guys kind of crack that code a little bit? Essentially what we give our customers is a data warehouse. And in this data warehouse, we extract data from all the, the silos today that holds touches of on accounts. So that's typically you have your M system, you have a marketing automation system, you have customer success tool, chatbot, uh, you have maybe an outreach tool, you run ads, you host webinars, you have your website and people visiting that. So we take the data from all the silos that it lists within and put into our data warehouse. 
And from here, our algorithms then model. So you get a timeline of every account that you deal with across any system in an account-based data model. So that means that if Stefan and Dwayne is part of the same account, then our touches goes into the same timeline. Whereas all the ad platforms, the Google Analytics, etc., they're actually just measuring the behaviors of individuals. So if I start the journey and you sign the contract, we're looking like two detached and I look like a cost and you look like the revenue. So it's this kind of, uh, what you pay us for is to, to take anything that touches your accounts and join into one timeline of the accounts. And then you can make decisions upon what content is good, what content is bad, which emails work, which ad campaigns work. It's a well, especially now with everyone being so spread out, it was a lot easier to get account-based data when everyone was in the office because then you can every, on the same IP, like it was a little bit easier to do that. But I feel like as soon as everyone went remote, it was like a free-for-all. It was very hard to track anything, especially that early in the customer cycle, customer life cycle. It was like everyone was all excited when they would do something with an ebook. Like I remember right before COVID, everyone was talking about ungated content. Everyone was like, ungate your content. Yay. Like give away stuff for free. Cause it was easier to track because everyone was in the office. And then all of a sudden COVID happened and like that, that advice just disappeared because everyone realized they're like, Oh, we can't track anything. Like we need that email address to know if they're registering. And then, and then also came the whole thing where I saw a lot more of use your company email address. No, no personal domains. You can't use a Gmail or a Hotmail. It has to be an at company. And that came up quick, quickly. It was like a, it was like an, a, a very rudimentary way to try to solve for measurement or any, any level of attribution. Like I remember that that started happening, like those first six months going into COVID it's like being able to use your Gmail to sign up for something was next to impossible. And so it was, I think it was just people trying to solve for exactly what you guys solve for, but in a better way. And what's interesting is I, I worked with a company in e-commerce about a decade ago. And there was, there was one guy there who had figured out how to do a little bit of what you guys are talking about, but not in like a SaaS level. I think it was just a way of, of creating some type of household user because they manage 12 different domains and all that stuff. And I haven't been able to see anyone do it for SaaS per se. And so you guys with dream data have been the closest or, or at least the most accurate that I've seen. And so like, what have you seen since getting out in the market, getting the series a and starting to get your name out there and really start promoting or marketing that you guys can do this? Like what type of change are you seeing in the conversations with marketing and sales or revenue teams? I think first of all, I think the our like our biggest go to market challenge we have is people don't know what they don't know, and wh what I mean by that is that typically the CRM system's uh, original source field is kind of what determines oh that was the first touch, but what people there's like a, a ton of flaws related to that first original source field. Like once you can override it, so the BDR can say, hey, this is my lead. And then the marketer says, oh, no, he was on at our webinar. And they'll just continuously override stuff. We will objectively put every touch into like, just like a calendar. You think so. It's on this date, at this time, this person did this thing. And then you can have your opinion about what was important afterwards, but we will not override anything. We will leave it as like, 
here are all the timestamps. You can have your discussion about what matters and what doesn't matter. Another problem is that the CRM fields, they only capture the session in, in which the conversion happens. Now, like for a marketer, you would know what I mean. Well, I'll try to explain them a little bit more simple. So when you on a, your website have a demo call booked, it will look at how, where did this session come from? And then we'll write in the original source field, oh, somebody came directly to our website and booked this demo. What we see when we have a demo booked on our own website is that there's four sessions involved on average. And the first session will always be some kind of marketing activity like paid, referral, organic search, etc. The next session might be organic search as well. But then there'll be like two direct sessions. And that's because now your URL sticks in the browser. So when they type in, now I want to go book this demo, you just hit enter. And the CRM will say, oh, somebody came directly and booked the demo call. But you, what you actually need to understand is how did this journey actually start? So you can go out and do more of these things that starts the journeys you want. And coming back to your question, this multi-touch understanding, I think people intuitively know it's like that but they only have tools that can like look at the last thing that happens before the, the demo call is booked or what i've seen in tools like hubspot right because they have their pixel they try to and it's with hubspot it's more of the i don't want to say advanced but it's probably close to accurate you can get if you dot if you've dove in and used all of their things which is you know what, what they try to do like you can put the pixel on your website but the problem that i've seen is if they've never been to your website before converting like if they come to your website for the first time and and they submit the form there's no there's no history but if they've been to anything that you're managing that has your pixel on it then when they do convert you get all the information and so it's cool because you can see oh they came to us six months ago from this campaign but then didn't convert you know did this this and this and they came back it's like cool but that's a very small part of your marketing or your customer base like what about everyone else that comes to your site for the first time right and that's and so what's interesting i did an episode and i've done some content around utilizing organic versus paid marketing and how to look at certain metrics and direct traffic is always one of the sources that seems to get higher and higher as time goes on. And it's, and you know, one of the things I always try to tell clients or anyone they're working on is like, cool, like all high tides raise all ships. So good, like direct traffic is going to go up if you're doing more organic, if you're doing more paid, but it's always, I've never found a really good way to measure it. Like what is causing the direct traffic? Is it someone, you know, searching incognito? Is it someone that comes for the first time? Is it someone that types in the URL directly? And, and a lot of, and I'm always trying to figure out what's broken in the attribution, like, you know, what are we missing? Is is something getting scraped because a, a CTA that goes to a database page because it starts a trial? Is there things missing? But what you're saying is your guys' tool is able to kind of capture the user sessions individually and group them into one giant session. So you can see no matter what, like if they've come to your website six months ago or not, like you can still capture some of that information. And so it helps answer that question of what is causing this increase in direct traffic? Is that like, that's kind of what you're saying? It's a yes and no answer. I think, I think yeah. <laughs> the, uh, because the, there is some parts of the direct traffic we, we solve because the session in which the demo call was booked was direct. But we know then the origin of this user started out from being maybe a, a marketing ant or like an organic search function. And this is where you use an attribution model to point towards, was it the first touch we want to understand or is it the last touch we want, want to understand? 
the direct traffic can also be going up because your brand get bigger, more and more people know about you. Like for example, I don't you probably also post a lot on LinkedIn. We do at, at our company and then we we rarely have links that goes directly to our, our website. So people will be consuming content from us on LinkedIn and then afterwards going to search on Google for, for Dream Data or type in dreamdata.io in the browser and that would make the direct traffic go up. And then you can have like sloppy stuff where you send an email or you run ads without UTMs set, like these small addresses where that tells the website where is the traffic coming from and that would also lead to increases in direct traffic. But <laughs> I think that's a rabbit hole we should probably get out of again. Well, I'm I don't know, because there that's there's there's a lot to be said because you know there's you said sloppy. And what's unfortunate is you've got a lot of people entering into the marketing space who I don't want to say probably shouldn't be in the marketing space, but they're they have all intents that they're their intents are positive. They mean well coming into it, but then they're starting to implement these strategies that are driving traffic, but it's unmeasurable because they're not putting in the UTM parameters. They're not assigning the correct, they're not creating the right ones. Like they're running Google campaigns and Facebook campaigns, but they're not the landing pages. They're not collecting right information. It's just, you just see traffic going up in conversions like regular Google, right? If you just set it and forget it, they'll optimize whatever's converting. But if you don't have the UTM param set, none of that stuff comes through. It doesn't matter what tool you use. And so it's it's a rabbit hole, but I think it's one that needs to be it's a, it's a conversation we should have because not enough people are are talking about like the specifics. There's a lot of stuff on LinkedIn where it's like all fluff, <laughs> like there's no substance. Everyone's talking about like, oh, this is how you optimize chat GBT and AI. But it's like, well, cool. But how do you actually measure the effectiveness of it? Like you got to understand the tactic of creating the proper UTM parameters to put on that URL. So you know that ChatGPT's campaign that you just ran is actually driving revenue or like, what are you measuring? There's like a big gap right now of here's cool stuff that the algorithm seems to like. And then here's reality. <laughs> like That's where I see a really big gap right now. It's like, there's a lot of stuff that's talked about. I'm like, uh, that's cool, but here's what actually works. <laughs> And getting people to understand like how to measure that is is very challenging. So I think it's timely. Data aside, I think that it's at least a question that people should constantly be, be asking, which is like, where does our revenue come from? Like in B2B, it doesn't just show up, up at your doorstep. It takes a ton of touches from marketing, from sales, from CS that drives deals forward. And like, if you're not having this conversation in your company about where does our revenue come from? You're probably not doing things as effectively as you could be. No. Like one of the things that I I don't like seeing is this whole dark social thing. The whole theory that it's untrackable, it's, you know, it's this back-end brand, it's the reputation you can't measure. And it's like, well, I, I think that was created because people lost the ability to track things. They they didn't do the work to understand how things are changing and then changing along with it while capturing that data. They're like, oh, well, it's just, you know, it's just untrackable things and it is what it is. And we're just going to call it this thing. It's like that that's not true because you can measure the effectiveness of brand. You can measure the effectiveness of SEO and it's by doing the things we're talking about right now. It's just optimizing for the right things, but you've got to have the right tooling in place to do that. And so like, where where do you see people 
argue the not I don't want to say argue the need for data because I feel like everyone knows they need data, but like where do you see the biggest friction for people adopting the ability to track absolute source? Like is is there friction for that? And if so, like where do you see that conversation coming from? This is going to be a little bit of a rant, but what marketers in companies where the sales team is absolutely great, they will never be really accountable for their marketing activities. I hint some sarcasm with that statement. (laughs) Because the sales team, they get the deal signed and then nobody complains about marketing. If revenue is completely off, then you're going to see all the questions like implementing all these things, tracking stuff, et cetera, data. Like if things are great, people tend to be less worried about, or maybe they come in two pockets. There's those that like constantly wants to improve every inch that they can improve. And then there's those that becomes blind because sales had a great quarter or a great year or something like that. And then I change anything because things are working. Well, as we just got out of this whole grow at all cost mentality, you know, we went through the last two and a half, three years of so much money coming into the market, no one's stopping and measuring things. No one's figuring out like, why is growth happening? Because I've got a theory on that. I feel like if, if, if we paused at all during the last couple of years and peeled back the onion or peeled back the curtain and been like, oh, there wasn't actually any real business going on. It was just a few companies doing business with each other and then sharing about that and then driving, driving growth, but no transactions were actually taking place. And cause now, now when that, that revenue need to exist, it's not there. It's like, what? Okay. And so I think a, a lot of the stuff that we're experiencing right now was kind of a, from our own making of, we were just, we were just printing fake dollars thinking all this business was happening and we're not looking at the data because like, Oh, why well, look at the data? There's no problem. Right? Like just, you were like, there's a, I feel like there was a lot of that going on or it was just kind of like everyone's serving, you know, Robin Peter to pay Paul type of thing. And so, yeah, hundred percent agree. If everybody had insane funding, like they had enough money to spend on ads, on tooling, et cetera, and no questions were asked They just, if they could just keep getting them leads, keep getting more clients, then nobody would ask about how effective are we really with our money? Are we just burning our money? Are we actually getting our dollars back when we, we spent the money? Thanks for listening to another episode of the Selling SaaS Podcast. And if you got value from today, please leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. 